Happy Tuesday, everyone. Karen Fontenot here welcoming you to another episode of Genesis on Tuesday, where we study the great first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings, Genesis, where we find every doctrine of scripture included in this book, along with God's great plan of redemption for us in and through Jesus Christ. Now, let's get right into the content. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. And the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their host. And on the seventh day, God completed his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all his work on it, which God had created to make. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for your word, the reading of your word, which commands our attention and quiets our hearts to hear what you have to say. And we pray that our eyes would be opened today that we may behold great and wondrous things out of thy law, in Jesus' name, amen. We have come to the end of God's work. And in the reading of the scripture there, there are some words that I purposely emphasized to, so that we can really get the point and so that I can really get the point that we have When we look at the Bible, we have 66 books. And yet, in the first chapter of the first book, in the first chapter of the first book, God did all of his work. Just think about that. In this big Bible, (laughs) 66 books written by inspiration of the Spirit of God over uh, two, over two millennia by men who did not know each other, but yet they are, um, they are, they are writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They do not contradict each other. It is the true inspired word of God. And we have all of this text, this holy text, holy writ at our disposal that we can read and meditate on. But yet it is in the fir- in one chapter of the very first book, God does everything because he said in verse two or chapter two, that the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their host, everything, 
And on the seventh day, what God completed his work, which he'd made. So, my goodness, how great, how great and mighty is our Lord. So we come to only the second chapter of the first book, and he is, he's finished. <laughs> Hallelujah. He has completed all of his work. And of course, we know that the reason that we have the rest of the books is because things went wrong. Sin entered the world and it took all these books and all the millennia of time for things to be made right again. If you look at the episodes that have been done so far in the podcast, there is a bonus episode that is called Genesis and Revelation bookends of scripture. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to them, uh, I will just say in summary that essentially what it's showing us is that, well, Genesis and Revelation, they are perfect complements of one another, that one, that basically the events that start the Bible in Genesis are the same events in effect, which are going to close it out. Or in other words, when we get to, when you read the last chapter of, when you read the last chapter of Revelation, it's almost exactly like reading the first chapter of Genesis. They are just the exact, we go back to where we started. And it is because God did exactly what he wanted to do. And he created and made what he wanted to make in right in the beginning, in the first chapter. And then as we're going to see in chapter two, he expounds on what he did. And the Holy Spirit gives a... Um, goes into a narrative and a little more in-depth into how God did the things that he did in chapter 1. <clears throat> but chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis are the perfect will and intent of God, which, in a nutshell, is a father who wanted a child, who wanted a family. And then we go into, we will go into chapter three, but it's right at the beginning of chapter three when everything begins to go wrong. And um, then things are finally made right at the very end of Revelation. And one of the things I said before in that chapter or the episode about the bookends of scripture, Genesis and Revelation, is that, you know, the Bible isn't so much linear, if you will, in terms of linear time, but it, what we see is more of a circle. And it is similar to a foot race 
or a horse race where people or horses will run in a circle. And have you noticed in a relay race that the start point is the same as the finish line? And the finish line and the starting line are the same point? Well, that is what Genesis, first two chapters of Genesis and last two chapters of Revelation are the precise will and intent of God. And everything in between is killing and stealing and destroying and, you know, Jesus Christ coming and miracles and prophets and uh, men and women of God who said that a Redeemer would come and then the Redeemer did come and it's um, everything that was required to get us back here to the beginning. But let's talk about God resting. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. So the key word there is finished. And on the seventh day, verse 2, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. So the reason he rested or he ceased, and that's what that word rested means, is just to stop to cease, to end. And he, he stopped. And the reason he did, and he ceased and rested because of that word that what we said was a key word there in verse one is because he finished. So God didn't rest because he was tired or weary. No, in fact, um, the prophet Isaiah wrote and said that uh, the Lord, not only is he not weary, but he said he doesn't faint either. Amen. So God, it wasn't a matter of being tired or weary, but it was just a matter of being finished. So he stops because there is nothing else to do. This is a pattern that is built into the fabric of all creation, and we're going to see that. God's resting at the end of his six days of work is the Sabbath, or in Hebrew, Shabbat. Shabbat. It is one of the first signatures of God, which is shown throughout all of creation. And we're going to see that. There is a rest. And there are points of rest all throughout the creative order. We can look at our physical bodies, for one, as an example. The most vital organ in our bodies, the organ at the center of our beings, 
is the heart, the physical blood pump. Well, between beats, it rests. It doesn't, there's just not, there's not just one constant heartbeat that just goes on and on and on from birth till physical death, no. But there are beats and in between each one, there's rest. Our lungs likewise, in between breaths, you know, we breathe in and then we exhale, we breathe out. So there's rest in between breaths. Notice next time you go to the beach and you see the waters working and working and working, working their way up to the creation of a wave all together. And then they reach a certain point and they have that agreement, that covenant between the water and the land. They reach a certain point and then the waters cease. They stop and they go back. You see the work, work, work up to a big, powerful wave, and then all of a sudden, they stop. They just stop, and they go right back. Amen? Any winter season, regardless of how mild or indeed how harsh it may be, isn't going to last forever. It will cease and winter will turn to spring. Likewise, all of the seasons. I once heard a man ask this question, what is the difference between music and noise? What is the difference between music and noise? Rest, of course. Have you ever been to the symphony? or even a high school orchestra performance, that before it starts, you will hear the students and the musicians at first, they will begin to, they'll warm up and they'll practice and just get the, getting their instruments in tune and warming up and so forth. And there is no rhyme or reason, there's no rhythm, no discernible pattern or rhythm at all. However, once the performance starts and you introduce rest, you introduce the rest in between notes, then you're able to discern, okay, I recognize that tune. I recognize that tune. Oh, I know that song. It is the introduction of rest that ushers in a beautiful symphony and that indeed brings order into the situation. Verse 3 of chapter 2 goes on to tell us that God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. Now, here we have been talking about the law of the first mention. And here we see the first mention of 
the word sanctified, uh, which is the word sanctified means set apart. And it is the from the root word sanctus, which means innermost or the holiest place. So the first time that we see the word holy in the scripture, we see it many, many times throughout scripture as a whole. But the first mention of holy is with regard to a day. With, it is with respect to that seventh day where God rested. More on that in just a moment, but we definitely need to point out that notice in the days of in the six days of creation at the end of each day we see that as a god looks over the work that he had done he says it is good but did you notice that of all that he made and created on the six days there are only three occasions in which he blessed the work that he had done only three times he used the word blessed and the first was in chapter 1 and verse 22 speaking of the animals or the water creatures in in particular um, talking about yes the waters so talking about the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and verse 22 tells us that God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and so forth. And then we see likewise that God, in verse 28, that God blessed the man with the blessing to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue and have dominion and so forth. Well, here, <clears throat> the third time, God blesses a day. He blesses a day. So the scripture tells us that God blessed the day and he made it holy. And then when we go into the book of Exodus chapter 20, and we look at the Ten Commandments, which God gave to Moses. And here in chapter 20, going down to verse 8, after in verse 7, he says, You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Then he, in verse 8, he talks about the Sabbath. And he said, Remember it. That's the first thing he says remember my day now and then he said and keep it holy so on the seventh day when God initially stopped his work and he or finished his work and he rested he sanctified the day he made it holy and he comes over here and he tells Moses now you tell the people to keep it holy. In other words, remember it. Remember that I set it apart as holy and as different, not the same as the other days. But keep it holy. In other words, don't 
defame it or profane it. And, you know, don't do the same ordinary things. Don't treat it like any other day. And why? Why is it? In verse 11, he says why. For or because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So we can really see here that the Sabbath is not just talking about, a, it's not just a day off from work, okay? It is not just a day off from your job or your regular occupation because, you know, you can take a day off from work anytime that you want to. If there's what personal business you need to take care of, you need to get your car repaired, whatever have you. But as Exodus chapter 20 and verse 10 tells us, but the Sabbath day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Of the Lord thy God. So that, that is what makes it different from just a day off. It is the day to remember God and specifically to remember what he did at the beginning, to remember what he did in Genesis, that he did all of his work and then he stopped. Then he ceased. Amen. Jesus said in the second chapter of St. Mark's gospel in verse 27, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So uh, Jesus is saying that the Sabbath is a blessing. It, the Sabbath is something that God gave to man and is something that was God made the Sabbath for man. So it is something to benefit us. It's not, uh, you know, something that we have to uh, strive to do. It's not a burden, but it, but the fact that father, the fact that God would bless the Sabbath as he pronounced the blessing over the fish of the sea and then over the man, then it seems likewise that the blessing of the Sabbath and by keeping and observing it is a way to preserve us, a way to preserve our lives. You know, uh, we don't have to be bound to that. Oh, goodness. You know, nowadays, or I guess it's been this way for the, at an accelerated pace, at least for about the past 20 years, you can scarcely ask anybody you know how they've been doing or what's been going on, what's happening in your life or whatever. Oh, girl busy, you know, every, busy, busy, busy. And you, you seldom come across anybody who says, oh, you know, I'm not too wary now. And then you'll see somebody who'll say not too much, same old stuff. 
but you definitely will rarely hear somebody talk about how bored they are. And, you know, it is almost, <laughs> in a sense, you, you'd rather say nothing at all, or you'd rather try to dodge the question than to admit that you're not busy, because it is almost as though, at least in American culture anyway, I don't, not sure, you know, in, in other nations of the world, because as I live in the United States, but I know here, talking about how busy you are is almost a badge of accomplishment, you know? It is almost as though our busyness is a measure of our success in career or in business or family life or whatever have you. That busyness, busyness, you know, it's such a big thing. Um, but Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, that, you know, God, you know, wants us to rest. Now, there he did say that in six days he did his work. So I'm, we are not diminishing work in any way because, you know, we, we're going to see that God gave his man, Adam, he gave him something to do. He gave him a task. And I don't see Adam, really, I don't see him in the garden at all being a bored creature. No. So work, productivity, occupation is one thing. That is a blessing. But being burdened and overburdened for sure and working yourself into the ground, working yourself to an early grave, barely seeing your children. That is what the devil wants to do. He wants to just work you literally to an early death and the sooner the better as far as he is concerned. You know, we said that the Sabbath is built into the fabric of creation and that the Sabbath is a rest. Did you know, and I did not quote this, I didn't say this earlier, but did you know, I learned uh, some years ago that every seventh day, maybe not for the full day, but in the morning hours, so every seventh day, in the morning hours, our heart rate is slower. Like, I guess you can take your, whatever your regular resting heart rate is, any day of the week, measure it. And on the seventh day, it is going to be lower. So you see, even our bodies, you know, they rest on the seventh. They, they just immediately go into a rest, which again, you know, is God preserving us. Um, we know also, even those of us who are not farmers, but we know that for six years or for six seasons, the ground or the land will produce a crop and, <clears throat> but on the seventh year, it doesn't. And, uh, but every seventh season or every seventh year, the land 
will take a breather and it won't produce how, however, but after that year off, it will come back the next year and just go, as we say, gangbusters because it has rested, it has revived and it comes back strong. And, uh, just as a point of reference, uh, that is something that has been gotten away from um, in recent years. And there are cultures where uh, the land is manipulated in order to um, cause it to just keep producing anyway. Uh, but that's a whole nother discussion, but on its own and Naturally and organically, it rests every seventh year. Amen. Did you know that during the years of the Great Migration to the West, Go West Young Man, and during the Gold Rush and the Oregon Trail, uh, there were caravans and groups of people who just went on and on and on. They tried to make the most of each day and they traveled as much as they could, as many hours of every day with no days off. But did you know that those who took the Sabbath day off, those who rested and honored the Sabbath arrived sooner than those who didn't? Jesus said in the sixth chapter of Mark in verse 31, and he said unto them, he's talking to his disciples, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. And then verse 32 says that they departed into a desert place by ship privately. However, people saw them as they were going, and so people followed them on foot. It says, verse 33, out of all different cities. And, you know, they, so they, they went apart to a private place to rest, but they ended up not being alone. And, you know, they were joined by lots of people. But Jesus... The scripture says that he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he says in verse 34, and Jesus taught them many things. Oh, goodness. What how wondrous that must have been. And then verse 35 says, and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came and told him, Lord, this is a desert place, and now the time is past, so send the people away. But Jesus said, no, you know, give, give them something to eat. Let's feed them. And you all know how he multiplied the fish and the loaves. But I do want to say that in verse 39, Jesus it says, and he, Jesus, commanded the people or commanded his disciples to make all of the people sit down by groups on the grass. But what the Greek actually says 
is in that word sit means to recline. Jesus commanded the people to sit, to recline, to be relaxed, and he fed them. Amen. And it is interesting that, you know, relaxing, you know, taking your ease is something that we have to do. Just like Jesus, you know, initially told them, come ye yourselves apart and rest a while. And do you know that in keeping the Sabbath as the Lord, as he, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, that in keeping it, it has the ability inherent to preserve us and to sustain us. And the inverse is that not keeping it has the result or has the opposite effect. And as we, you know, we can see that people who wear themselves out, work, 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 and never take the time to stop, um, go, 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 that uh, what kinds of things build up in the body? Anxiety, uh, mental stresses, um, you feel the burden of things, you feel like a heavy yoke is on you, um, your what? Increased blood pressure, heart rate, illnesses of different kinds. And by the way, do you know that the word disease, what is it actually saying? It's dis-ease or distance from ease. You are not, you are separated from ease. Mm. Jesus told Martha when he was in the home of his good friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and which I just want to say, by the way, I love reading about their friendship. I do, I do. And uh, it just goes to show the high importance of having good, close friends. Acquaintances are fine, but having very close, trusted friends that you can stay with and really let your hair down with, which clearly Messiah did with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. But the scripture says that, and you know, it's beautiful that Martha, you know, having the Lord in their house, she wanted things to be right. She wanted to be sure that there was plenty of food and she wanted it to be well, as any one of us would want to do, because the Lord has come to visit. Well, who can blame her? I sure don't. Amen. And, you know, but yet her. So what she wanted to do was not inherently wrong at all. But yet her sister Mary wasn't helping her out. But she was instead sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. And the scripture says that Martha, it just, after a while, she went to the Lord and said, Lord, would you tell her, would you tell my sister, would you tell her to help me? Can't she see 
that we've got all of this to do and she's not helping me. And he said to her, Martha, Martha, you are concerned with many things, but yet one thing is needful. Amen. He didn't tell her that what she was doing was wrong necessarily, but he did say to her, you are concerned with many things, but one thing is needful and Mary has chosen that. So there's many things and then there's one thing. Oh boy. Oh, that's rich. How powerful are the words of Messiah. He says, and the one thing is the important part which shall not be taken away from her. So this one thing is that which shall last. The one thing, amen, that we need to do is to sit at the feet of Messiah, listening to his words. Amen. For he did say that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. For again, it is written in him, we live and we move and we have our being. Final word on the Sabbath and the fact that it is not merely a day off, but let's remember the context of worshiping and remembering that it is a day of rest unto the Lord. Only to simply say this, whatever we spend the day doing, we can ask ourselves this question after whatever activity or thing that we may engage in, even if it's if we watch a movie. Well, is it a film or is it a movie that at the end um, makes us feel closer to the Lord or makes us feel like we have been lifted in our spirit or in our inner man? Or is it a film that doesn't make it, us feel that way? Is it one that leaves us feeling sad? Is it one that leaves us crying at the end for sadness and for all of the wrong reasons? Um, if it doesn't give glory or if it doesn't lift our inner man in a posture of worship to God, then... Um, it's probably something we shouldn't do on the Sabbath. Whereas on the other hand, if we go visit our mother or our father or we go visit a grandparent or we make a call and we have a good conversation where we encourage and lift and just love on a relative, a cousin, niece, a nephew, or a friend. And um, this, these are things that when we finish doing them, have we been lifted and has the other person been lifted and have we honored 
our Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, so much for this time together. We bless you and we love you and we pray that may God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the lesson. See you again next week.